Welcome to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. This show is sponsored by Color Blends Bulbs and Dos Amigos Landscaping. I am Leslie Harris, and our plant of the week is the Aquilegia, but you may know it as the Columbine. I'll be chatting with John Robinson, who is my new helper with the podcast, and also a keen gardener, and also a super nice guy. And the playlist is about what to do in your garden this week. I'm actually recording the first and last parts of the podcast a couple of weeks early until I get back from Dixter and then a quick trip to Connecticut to squeeze the babies. So if you were to pose a question in the coming weeks, please be patient with the reply because I'm going way early on these bits. Or if something amazing and noteworthy were to happen closer to drop time, please excuse me for not mentioning it. Let's see, what would shake up the gardening world in such a way? Hmm. How about if somebody finally achieved the elusive blue rose? Oh, no, no better. If somebody tried to say that they had a blue rose in cultivation, but it turns out that they were just using that horrible blue dye that Costco puts on white orchids. Now that's intrigue for you. Thinking ahead so much about our week with Great Dixter, as I record this, it's about a week away. Marianne and I have been comparing notes about what to pack. Anyway, lots of rain in the forecast there, but you know what they say. There's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothing choices. Also, I know I will want Siri to help me remember a ton of things that we're learning that week, but I'm going to need to go old school so that I don't look like I'm addicted to my phone or TikTok or something. So I bought some of those pocket notebooks in which to madly scribble when Fergus Garrett drops pearls of wisdom our way. And then, of course, the paper will get rained on. Hmm. Well, this should be interesting. The plant of the week is the columbine, also known as the Aquilegia vulgaris, but I think we can stay with the common name on this one. It's pretty well known. This is an early spring blooming perennial that I think of as being short-lived, but generous with its offspring. So once you have it established in your garden, you will keep it. It has oversized clover-like foliage that grows in a clump, sort of springing from a center stalk. I remember being so proud of my 10 or so year old boy when he asked me one time, why was I not pulling the clover weeds? And I said, where? And he said, right over there. And he pointed to some new columbine seedlings. They look very much like clover when they're small. And I was gobsmacked that he even knew that weeding was a thing, much less that one might weed clover, much less, much, much less that he knew vaguely what clover foliage looked like. Because at that stage of his life, I thought he only cared about the Civil War and lacrosse. Anyway, the foliage is a gray-green, and because leaf miners sometimes move in, you may notice that the leaves have a pattern of, well, insects mining. It shouldn't really hurt anything, and it is an interesting look. In April and May, tallish, like two to three foot stalks shoot up, and you get these nodding bell-like flowers. From a distance, it's sort of not unlike comfrey or bluebell, but much larger and more complex, because you have the sepals in the middle, surrounded by five petals, and then brack-like things sort of shooting off of them, and then these five spur parts of the petals shooting behind. It's a really cool arrangement. One of the common names of Columbine is Granny's Bonnet, and I totally see it. Granny's big, powdery, polleny nose is sticking out in the middle of her round face of five petals, and the bracts are the bonnet, and the spurs are like five ribbons tied behind her head. So that bonnet is going nowhere, even in a stiff wind. Granny is very cautious of the weather. If you see a cultivar where the bracts are a different color than the petal, then you see the bonnet even more easily. Some cultivars are double, so that means Granny's face is kind of wrinkled, or maybe we just say it has a lot of character. I love to buy the doubles every once in a while, and I think my favorite is called Nora Barlow, who is hot pink with white tips. She sounds like a librarian, but she looks like a diva. And in reality, Nora Barlow was neither. She was an eminent British botanist and the granddaughter of Charles Darwin. But back to the columbine. If you deadhead the flowers, I am reading that you get a second bloom. I really had no idea. I always let it go to seed. 
I'm certainly going to try that this year on a big stand of them that is right outside of my kitchen door so I can keep an eye on it and see if they really do that. My MO on that has always been to let them go to seed. And if I see that the flowers look tired and disagreeable as the summer goes on, I cut the stalks and I walk around shaking old flowers where I might want new plants to be next year. Mine are all crossed and related now, but the two strongest colors that I have in my collection are either a very pale pink or a strong purple. I'm lucky because they really look good together, if that is how they happen to pop up. If I want a fancy specific cultivar like Nora Barlow, I would start seed or buy a plant, but deadhead it to keep it going strong and keep it as it is instead of mixing in with my collection. If your clump of columbine foliage looks tatty as the summer goes on, the fix is easy and satisfying. Just gather it up like a ponytail and cut it off. Fresh green growth will come again soon. Columbines will flower in the shade, so I like to scatter the seed in the woodland bits of my garden. They make a pleasant surprise poking up through an azalea. They flower well in shade, but even better in sun. If the foliage gets a little sunburned, just cut off the ponytail, as I mentioned. They'll grow in lots of different types of soil, but not truly wet soil. They're deer-resistant, and they grow in a big zone, zones 3 through 8. So again, I'm reporting on the columbine that I like, the Aquilegia vulgaris, which is native to Europe, but not invasive, and in fact, it often feeds our native hummingbirds. The one I really should be liking is the Aquilegia canadensis, and that, of course, is native to North America, and that is why I should like it more. But you know, I've mentioned on this show recently how much I love McDonald's, but not its colors. Yeah, well, the native columbine is red and yellow. Hmm. But I should start it in the woods anyway and see how it looks. In my aesthetic, purple really helps red. And the red of the native columbine isn't like, you know, fire engine red. It's softer. Perhaps with my increasingly bad eyesight, if I squint just right, it will seem like a very deep pink. But I know I like our plant of the week, the Aquilegia vulgaris, or common columbine, so maybe you try it in your garden. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, kindly delivered by Dos Amigos Landscaping and Color Blends Bulbs. And coming up, we're going to be talking with John Robinson, gardener, photographer, father, husband, handy guy, and my new helper on this podcast. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie, and today we have a very special guest. And you've not heard of him because I had not heard of him before a month ago when he rescued me and he answered my plea for help with the Into the Garden with Leslie podcast. But he's not just like an audio editor. He is a magical gardener, and you just wouldn't believe what's going on in his garden. We're going to get into that in a minute. His name is John Robinson, and I am so excited to talk to him today about his garden. Hi, John. Hi. I'm <laughs> fine. So tell us, actually, tell tell people, because I think it's kind of a cute story as to why you and I even got together. Yeah, so I was, I've listened to your podcast at least since the Doug Tallamy episode. Which is a good episode. Which is a great episode. And I was listening to your podcast, uh, Pulling Weeds in the Garden, and heard your your call for help, your your plea, <laughs> and went inside and I said, ah, oh. you know, I said to my wife, I said, oh, my favorite podcaster is looking for help. And I described what you were looking for, and, and my wife's like, well, you should send her a note. And so here we are. And so here we are. And John lives two miles away from me. He already had listened to the podcast. You know, I was just sort of hoping to get just anybody. Like, this is gardening. Let me explain to you what I'm crazy about. But no, John is crazier than I am about gardening. And I just went to his garden for the first time. I mean, he's a busy guy. He's a He's got his own business. He's a photographer. He's got a family, children. But what is going on in his yard? Let me just read you the list of things that are I just saw in this yard. We have a rain garden. 
we have raised beds for cutting vegetables and only lavender, just only lavender. Well, you gotta have the lavender. The lavender. We have a fire pit, a picnic table, ducks, chickens, hoop houses, a children's garden within which there is a Zen garden with the proper tools to be Zen. You know, those little forks and like, I don't know, rakes and stuff. There's a reading nook and some, and, and beautiful plants. And I don't, how do you have time for all this? <laughs> uh, well, thankfully, quarantine has been very generous in giving me plenty of free time. But, you know, I, I'm a tinkerer. I like to be outdoors. I try to live outdoors as much as I can. So, and I don't want to have nothing to do. I don't want to just sit around. Uh, so if I'm outdoors, I'm usually hand in the dirt or hand, you know, busy hands working on some sort of project. Just finished this beautiful chicken coop. I'm looking at this and I knew, because I was talking to him on a Friday afternoon, and he's like, oh, I'm trying to finish this chicken coop. So I'm like, well, this is a kit, right? And he goes, no, I designed it. It was beautiful. I mean, it had hardware like better than the inside of my house. It was gorgeous. <laughs> well, it's uh, it's made out of all eastern red cedar. Um, so uh, the wood does a lot of the heavy lifting and, and the beauty, but it is uh, it was a fun little it was gorgeous. All right. So tell, I'm sure people think that like I thought, and I still do, that you're a magical creature. Uh, how do you put bread on the table? Because you know, I'm not paying you much. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, other than my podcast, Millions, uh, I, We're am, working on it. <laughs> I am a working photographer. I run my own photography business and I partner in a food uh, marketing business as well. So I take a lot of photos for restaurants, wineries, breweries. Um, then I photograph families, events, uh, and I, I photograph a lot of weddings. A lot of weddings. So a yeah. lot of joy, a lot of kissing. A lot, a lot of, of joy. I get to be with people on their best days. Usually. What's the best part? I, this is a gardening podcast, but I just, it, this idea just for a question just popped into my head. Like, what's the most fun thing at a wedding? Because they're always, okay, the, is it the, you know, the vows or is it the this or is it, you know, when they throw the bouquet, what's the most fun thing to photograph or video? It's usually, when the ceremony is over, when the when the couple has officially been wedded, uh, and they turn around to face everyone, and just that moment of joy, beaming, and completion of like it's sort of okay now it's just a party and yeah. like and but also we're like we just did it and it's real and like it's over yeah and it's sort of that moment where the roller coaster has been building all day and then finally they get to throw their hands up in the air. <laughs> That is so cool. That, I bet that's a great moment. It's a great. Moment. All right, so let's get to your let's get to your garden. How did you learn to garden? When did you start? Why do you know so much? You know more than I do. I'm a little threatened. <laughs> what is going on? Well, I came to gardening like I come to probably most things in my life through my stomach. Uh, <laughs> I like to eat. I like I said, I'm a food photographer. My family had a big vegetable garden when I was growing up, and so I knew that the quality of like produce coming out of your garden is just so much tastier. We bought our own house and I was like, I really want to grow a delicious tomato. So I put up a raised bed and my wife uh, was like, oh, that's that's a perfect garden. And I was like, well, yeah, we're not done here. So I added a few more raised beds. And, you know, over time, it's it's about like 400 square feet now. So that's how I ended up gardening. I, you know, through veg, I kind of ended up being like, well, now I need to attract pollinators sure. and, and officials. Um, so started adding, I guess what you would call ornamentals, wildflowers, that sort of thing. And like I said, I tinker. So I added more beds and more beds and then added the rain garden next to the vegetable garden. 
and haven't really stopped. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, we don't stop. Here we are. And then, yeah, the rain garden kind of got me interested in native plants and, and seeing how those can create habitat and build build back an ecosystem that was basically just a flat patch of turf grass. You when know? you first got there, so I'm, I'm actually familiar with this property and I went for the first time today and I'm standing in John's backyard looking at what I knew he had told me he had bought the extension of his backyard. In other words, the side yard of a neighbor who lived on an adjacent street, the street behind. And I'm like, okay, I know that's coming. I know he's bought this thing. And I thought it was a project that you were just beginning, but I'm looking at these beautiful paths, hardscape, organized tables, chairs, reading nook. I'm like, I've been here before. And sure enough, I'm like, this is a former client of mine, dear Roxanne Booth, who she and her husband bought this property for their newly professional graduated daughter, Morgan, who, and I went to sort of help Morgan to understand how her little spot could be more organized and attractive, but not high maintenance because she's a busy young person. And meanwhile, Roxanne said to me, and there's this wonderful family who lives in back who bought the side yard and they're going to do all these things. And I'm like, that's really cool. And then I went about my day because I wasn't thinking about it until until today, like six, seven months later, I'm like, oh, you're that awesome family <laughs> that did that thing and bought that place. And there were tons of invasives, right? There was a ton of work on removing invasives. So Morgan's house, the, the man doing the work there um, had a dumpster and he was done using it. And he was like, you guys can throw anything in the dumpster you want. We ended up throwing, filling a whole dumpster with just porcelain berry vines. Oh my gosh. And anybody who's dug those out and dealt with those, you know how much digging and how much work it is. They're strong enough and elastic enough to not be able to just be easily pulled. But they're also brittle enough that if you pull hard enough, they break and then you have to dig out the rest of it. So yeah, that was a labor of love. And that was the first months of owning uh, that extra property of just pulling and and unveiling what was underneath. The previous owner had been a fantastic gardener. And so there was, you know, we could start to see some surprises. And then this spring, there's been... I mean, we were just poking more. around today. It's, you know, he's been wise because he's, you know, a, a young man, but a good gardener already. And he was able to leave things that he wasn't sure that would come. And he was showing me this one bed and he's like, oh, there's a trillium. I didn't plant that. That was there. So, you know, instead of just like, okay, let's clear this and start new. Let's clear what we know is bad and leave the rest. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been, uh, it's like an adventure in your own like little space where, you know, you sort of can see what the previous gardener was thinking because there's sort of shapes to the plants that those shapes of beds don't exist anymore. And even the trillium came up through that, you know, 18 inches of oh, berm, yeah. the raised. That was the berm that you yeah. put. Oh, my gosh. So. How did you do that? I, who knows? <laughs> I mean, that's that's kind of what's thrilling and interesting is to see what's coming back and to see how it was and see how it kind of wants to be and go with it. Yeah. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. We're talking with John Robinson, who is my new BFF because he's helping me out with my um, podcast and also because he's a crazy mad gardener and he has things that I only dream about having. How much fun with your two children who are, t tell us about your kids and yeah. then tell us about your ducks and your chickens. Because sure. They go together, right? Yeah, they do. Um, well, I have. Two daughters, one's six and one is nine, and uh, they are fantastic. They are obviously 
Anyone who has children and a garden knows that that is a challenge, but also a joy because they, you know, they see things in a way that you don't. Um, and then I have been a chicken keeper for almost a decade, and uh, we just got two ducklings right around Easter this year. So they are, they're growing fast. They're getting big. I got to see them in their little duckling playpen. I know. They're very sweet. They're very sweet. They're very sweet. They're in their awkward teen phase where their, <laughs> their fluff is falling out and their, their feathers are coming in. Uh, but they're very, they're very sweet. And what's the goal with them? What was the decision-making process behind? Okay, we had chickens. Now we're to do ducks. What, you know, what were you thinking? Yeah, well, I, so we have a, a somewhat of a wet property. So I have a lot of snails and a lot of slugs. Oh. And uh, ducks are fantastic at uh, caretaking, taking away the um, the slugs in particular. They love a little sluggy snack. So that was my hope is that for one thing. And I mean, I love animals. I love birds. And the girls had never raised, we had raised chicks many years ago, but they had never raised little tiny animals. So I, it was a fun thing for them to get to be a part of. But you have dog, a dog. We and, have a dog. And yeah. cats. Yeah. So how do they, how does everybody get along? The dog is actually, well, the cat is easy because he's an indoor cat. We right birds outside we don't want to murder any birds yeah and the dog is easy she's a shepherd she helped us raise our first batch of chicks um so she got very used to having little animals around um she'll even be if there's a rabbit in the yard or she'll be you know she'll gently sniff at it but it's pretty much we'll leave it alone she does as a shepherd she does kind of try to round up the chickens sometimes with chickens aren't Always a big fan. You know, we get a, a, a puff of feathers uh, and a lot of clucking sometimes oh. if they're they're scared off. But in general, the, all the animals seem to get along okay. Um, yeah, it's a it's mostly peaceable kingdom. It's, it looks like it. It's just very it's very zen over there, including the little zen garden, which is about I don't know twenty inches square. Yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah, but 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 a small amount of zen is good. The, there's a stream that runs through it, and when I was there doing my consultation, not knowing John's seven months ago now, I just looked down at that stream and went, oh God, what a mess. I mean, it's just full of, you know, as things go, it's just full of invasives and wild and that sort of thing. But now that lower property, your original property is adjacent to it or only the lower one? Uh, the low, the, yeah, the secondary one. The is, secondary is one is. And you built a staircase. You made it accessible for kids, ducks, you, fish, what's That's going on? That's right. Yeah. That, so we had, thankfully, actually the Booth family helped us clear out all the gunk and junk and mess and got rid of, again, more porcelain berry, Japanese honeysuckle, English ivy, uh, privet, your favorite. Oh, yeah. And I've put in probably, probably about 30 or 40 different woody species and about 200 individual plants in there. And then slowly adding in the, the herbaceous layer of, of natives. And the girls have loved playing down in the creek. We pulled up some privet and uncovered a sandy beach, basically. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was sort of growing in sort of an S, you know, S curve overhanging this little beachy area. And we've made a little staircase, a little, it's simple, just a little narrow concrete staircase down the banks so that the girls can go down and play you know, throw rocks um, and 
chase minnows. Um, and actually, we've seen raccoon <laughs> prints on the stairs. So they are clearly everybody's using Yay. using the right of way. Uh, we do. I mean, in, and you in take the, the sand. Ducks, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, the ducks are uh, have just started to be able to swim. So they are a big fan. They like to you know sort of duck under and. And do you, like, can they handle the stairs? Because they're still, they're not fully grown. So they can, ha- they're, they're surprisingly spry. They're, they're probably only, you know, maybe a foot tall, maybe a little less. Yeah. But no, they're pretty spry. And so they, they just get themselves down there. They'll get themselves down there. Splash um, around. They're a little, they were a little hesitant to go down the stairs at first. They don't mind going up. Okay. Uh, but thankfully our girls are happy to snuggle them down the stairs sometimes Aww. too. Aww. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, and we're talking with John Robinson, who is my new audio editor. So we can make as many mistakes as we want, <laughs> and he will edit them out. And he's a fantastic gardener, and it's just been a pleasure to get to know him and to see his property. How how did you teach yourself to be this proficient with plants? Like with most things, I go down rabbit holes. Um, Internet books. All of the above. Okay. I, I usually start with a book or two. Um, and that's how I started with chickens. It was one book that we actually gave to my mother-in-law on a Christmas. And I spent, of course, all of Christmas morning reading it, reading it. And I was like, well, Sarah, that's my wife. We're getting chickens whenever we own a house. Uh, we had a, we, I think we were still renting at that point in time. But yeah, gardening, vegetable gardening, I think it was, it might have been Ira Wallace's book about gardening in Virginia, uh, vegetable oh, gardening in I Virginia. And she, you know, lays out just, it's sort of an index basically. So this plant, how oh, you handle it. Oh, she's the one with the heirloom seeds. Right. Yeah. Oh, in I've been thinking about getting Palmyra. her on the, yeah, on the show. We mm. should get her on. Hey, Ira, if you're listening. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that was a very informative uh, book, but it wasn't a very experiential textured uh, book. So, I'm I'm old. That was when blogs were cool. So I, you know, I read some gardening blogs and and a lot of started listening to podcasts. Hey Joe, and is Joe Gardner one of your? Joe Gardner is one of my go tos yeah, for veggies. Yeah, I listen to him. I mean, and I'm not as much into veggies, but he he's got some really good, you know. And I quote him often on the show. You know, he's got some really interesting, you know, sustainability ideas yeah, and, and sure. guests on. And and plus, it's a it's a well produced show. Yeah, and then I guess I mean through. Vegetable gardening, I, I sort of became focused on building soil and building soil health and learning that really lawns don't really do that. Um, and they certainly don't build habitat or ecosystem. So yeah, I've expanded a lot since then. We have a, a lower property, which you've seen that floods a lot in heavy rains as it, as it moves towards the creek. And so I made a rain garden in there. And that, of course, when I was researching that, looking into that, the best practices there were all native plants basically and so i've i've sort of learned a ton red doug talamy red you know now i have oak trees everywhere little babies but they're still there yeah and yeah i i, I just sort of every opportunity like i said i i tinker so every opportunity to have a, a new project and learn something new i try to take it and what's the teamwork like does sarah garden does she have time because she has a she has a less flexible job she right? has a full-time job yeah she's she um is a counselor so she has a little less time to do the brass tacks, but she's definitely, she likes to, she likes to design. She likes to know what it's going to look like. She, she likes to have spaces. Uh, she's got use. a reading she, nook. The re- I was going to say the reading nook was for so her. So cozy looking. Yeah. The reading nook was for her. Right next to the lavender raised bed. The, the lavender's for her too, maybe. Yeah. 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 And That's a bluebird box. Yeah. Bluebird boxes for her too. 
that was our, our spring edition. We, we had seen some bluebirds, a uh, male and a female, flittering around, looking like they were, you know, sort of thinking about moving in. So I knocked together a bluebird house and... Sure enough. They I, moved in. I saw them this morning. Yeah, she seems to be sitting... The, the bluebird mom seems to be sitting on a clutch. We don't... We haven't wanted to bother her, but... Yeah. She's, we're hoping, knock on wood, that we'll have some little bluebird babies Aww. soon. Oh, it's so exciting. I just, I'm just thrilled with how much is going on in this very not big property. No, we have less than a third of an acre. And that's including the new bit. Correct. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I mean, when, when people say I don't have room to garden, they should come and see John's garden. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're welcome. Come on by. <laughs> it's very, very enchanting. I want you to tell the listeners that part as we're walking down, in the, the back is where it's mostly happening, although the front is very charming. There's a beautiful Japanese maple and some what looks like Minarda growing along the, yeah. um, the fence. And, but it's not a, like a prescribed, like formal bed, but, but it looks, you know, it's going to be a great flowering. So tell them why that's there. Yeah. There's some, there's some Minothra, there's some, uh, Monarda, some mountain mints and some, I forget which one, but it's a helianthus. It's one of the native ones. When we moved in, I, I didn't have a weed trimmer, you know, a weed whacker. And I could not, we had this very steep area between our driveway and a uh, chain link fence, couldn't get a mower in there. And so it was growing up just in turf grasses, you know, going to seed, going to pot. And somebody from the city or maybe a grumpy neighbor or something uh, sent us a note from from the city uh, that said we had illegal weed growth and I needed to remediate that or pay a fine of some sort. And I think it's 18 inches, might be 24 inches of grass. I forget exactly. I have not gotten notice because... Well, we're I was going to say, you're too, <laughs> we're you're a little too, too manicured. Too here. neat. Yes. So I ended up just tearing out the grass, putting in uh, sunflower. The first year was sunflowers, uh, the mammoth variety, and zinnias, cosmos, the sort of the the showy annuals that you think of in like a, in like a meadow setting and ended up with, you know, eight foot tall weeds instead of 18 inch tall weeds. Oh. I've since transitioned to uh, the perennials, the native perennials. Um, but, you know, I, it was my way of saying, Hey, look, we'll have some beautiful, you know, weeds here instead of, instead of, but, but yeah, but I'm good. not mowing. Yeah, exactly. I'm still not going to mow it, but um, I'll, I'll talk about no mow may as I go through each week and my grass is simply getting taller. Um, but I've gotten some other information on it. Something that informed me just to comment quickly as I was driving from John's house to mine and I've just passed Fry Springs Pizza. I'm passing a lawn that might belong, those buildings that might belong to the, like the Jefferson Scholar thing for the university or do, it yeah. might be a private house. I can't quite decide going 30 miles an hour thinking about a million other things. And I'm like, oh, they're not mowing their lawn. Oh, but look, they mow just that front strip. And so a mower had taken, a skinny mower had taken two or three passes or a wide mower had taken one. And it was almost like saying to the city, hey, dude, we're, we're mowing here. We're just not mowing the whole thing because we're not yeah, <laughs> because yeah. we want a meadow. Yeah. And I just thought that, wow, that's an easy trick to say to neighbors or city or whatever, you know, HOA you have to deal with. Like we're on it. We're just not on it in the conventional sense that you might want us to be on it. But somebody's gardening here. Somebody's somebody's doing something here. Yeah. Uh, showing intent, I think, is helps ease a lot of worried uh, yeah. traditionalists. Yeah. Nobody say. wants to live next to vagrants who, right. <laughs> who are not right. doing anything. All right. So is there anything that I could ask you that you thought I wanted to be asked that and she hasn't done it? I don't think so. You Can I ask so. you a few questions? Oh, sure. 
because I feel like as a as a listener, <laughs> I want to know like what we always want to know us listeners out there. We want to know how you got into gardening. What was your first garden? What was your oh, first? I think I think some listeners probably do know this, and I do say it in my talks a lot. But I was not interested in anything except for sports or and boys. Um, and that now I'm married. I found my boy, my boy for forty years, and we've had a little boy, and he's a baby, and he's asleep, and we moved into our first house. I have a bit of energy, but I did stop working because I just, I could. And I yeah. thought, well, this will be fun. And so everything's arranged in the house, you know, paid the bills. I've made the dinner. I've done the laundry. And what are these plants out here? Let's go see about them. And I've heard you can, and I go to the library, get a book and like, let's dig this up. This looks like a hosta. I think this is a hostel. Let's make two hostas. It says in this book that I could do this. And I did it. And I just, it's just like, this is fascinating. I feel good. It's exercise. I'm learning. I'm outside, I'm saving money or spending money, depending on the whim. I can divide this, I can't divide that, and I really want it. You know, and I and I just I just love it. It just it makes me very happy. Cool. Yeah. Anything else? No, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, that was so the big we, one. <laughs> that was the big one. Um, all right, good. I'm glad you asked, John. <laughs> but I'm really glad that most of the questions were aimed at you. Because, well, you know. Because <laughs> this is more about you. But I am so excited to um, to have John with me. And, it, you know, it just makes it more fun like anything. And he actually said this, like, I like to work as, you know, on a project with a team. And now we're going to be a team. And it's and it's really it's really fun. So you guys out there who didn't answer my call for help, you should be jealous. Losers. <laughs> I win. <laughs> he wins. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And coming up in a minute, we'll be talking about what to do in your garden this week. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping and Color Blends Bulbs. I am so grateful to John for coming on board. There's a bit to doing this show, and it's so fun to work with somebody on it, especially since he shares my enthusiasm for spreading the good word of gardening. But I had no idea until I went there what a gardener he is. Hey, I had a couple of great questions for the show this week from Sue Batani on Bud Blast on peonies. So I had never heard of Bud Blast. She had lots of great blooms, but on plants that were in the same bed, some of the buds were very small and dark and hard about the tip of an eraser. I've seen that before. But on others, there was like a whole cluster of buds that wilted at the stem. I have definitely experienced the former situation, and I just always attributed it to plants, you know, new plants, plants that were in too much shade, plants that I had not divided well or, you know, just thrown around a little bit, and they're like going to be mad at me and not bloom very well. But whole clusters of buds wilting at the stem, that would sort of freak me out. I mean, in a mild what's going on with my peony sort of way, not like zombie apocalypse freak out, which would be completely different. I found a good article on my favorite source, Missouri Botanical Garden, M-O-B-O-T, Mobot, sometimes I say, um, and it could be culture, could be lack of water, could be late spring frost sapping the buds, but why just some of them in that bed? Because she said she had other great ones in that bed. It could be botrytis, which sounds technical and difficult and scientific. Therefore, in the category of this gardener who barely got through her science requirement for her bachelor's degree, not even being remotely useful to anybody in terms of comprehension, definition, certainly not amelioration. Sue and I would both love to hear from you if you have any ideas on what the issue could be, because clearly I'm not being any help. And from Catherine Dugan, who sadly lost a 250-year-old red oak in her yard this year in a nice storm, all of a sudden her shade-loving plants are in a tanning bed. 
And that's an issue because you know that some of them are going to fry. But I told her to wait and see because some don't mind sun rays as much as you think. Plants always surprise us. Well, they surprise me anyway. So I think it's worth the wait to see what does well in the new sun situation. But she's shopping and planning for shade for the future. And her question was, if she chose a native tree that is not the straight species, but instead a hybrid, is that just as good? Great question. So I shot it off to the best source, Doug Tallamy, and he answered thusly. Hi, Leslie. In case of oaks, I don't see why Catherine would have to go to a hybrid across between two species or a cultivar, which is a genetic variant of a single species, because most of our native oaks are sold as straight species, and that would be my recommendation. Best, Doug. That's clear, right? But the plot still is a little thick for me, or maybe it's just me being a little thick. The tree that Catherine is lusting after is one that I've had my eye on too, and it's the Regal Prince Oak. This is a hybrid oak, but because it is a cross between the Quercus Rober, which is the English oak, and the Quercus Bicolor, which is a native to the United States oak, half of its genes are non-native, and that will reduce insect use, says Doug. But the lovely thing about this plant is that it's a fastidious shape. In other words, it's like a column. In other words, it could fit in a lot of people's small gardens. And even though I don't have a real small garden, I love that shape in my garden, like a punctuation mark among lower shrubs. People are scared to plant trees that are going to grow 100 feet in their garden. That's a big tree. Have you ever heard of the chinkapin oak? That's the Quercus prenoides. It only gets to about 20 feet, and apparently it starts producing some very delicious acorns very early in its life. I mean, according to research of animals being interested, not this animal, I have not tasted the acorns. I probably have about 10 little white oak seedlings in my garden right now, and three or four years ago, they would have been ripped out by me as soon as I saw them. But my plan this year is to start a little grove of them in the back corner of the yard. It's shady very shady actually, but baby oaks, probably all baby trees, are programmed to grow in shade in their early years, or else how else would they ever get up into the sun? And trees are supposed to be social. I shall start a friendly little copse, a baby oak community. Should be fun. Back to Catherine's question, or actually the answer, she thinks that she's going to go for a white oak, which is apparently the best tree that you could do, and maybe a couple of those regal prints, and then maybe a little katsura, which is a beautiful tree. Remember, You're going for native plants in your yard, and that's a really good thing to do, but it's also fun to get things that you really love, and gardening in all forms, with the exception of like herbicides and pesticides and invasive aliens, gardening in all forms is a really good thing. What am I doing in the garden this week? I have to imagine, because I'm recording so early, I should be on weed patrol for sure. Oh, I'm going to plant the lovely seeds that Sharon Burnham of Garden Vitals down in Roanoke sent to me. Sharon is a garden consultant and listener, and she heard me say that I like the early yellow spring ephemeral, the Aranthus hyamalis, or the winter aconite, and she kindly sent me some seeds. Thank you very much, Sharon. What else? I'm going to get the watering routine very efficient, like streamlined, like this is how you do, because I need to coach up Jeff to do it a few times while I'm away, and I want to make it simple. Some of the early daffodil foliage is ripening pretty well, and there's this fancy cultivar that grows very poorly near my front door. And I want to shift it away. It's it's quite an early one, and it's called replete. And for me, it is replete with foliage, but not with blooms. But the blooms are gorgeous. So I'm going to move some around the yard to see if I can find a place where the bulbs are happier and I get better flowers. I should deal with my silly bolted arugula. I pop some in my mouth that had flowers on it already. Oh my gosh, what a jolt. That stuff gets really peppery. What else? I'm harvesting lettuce from along the front walk. 
and I'm considering replacing them with low mounding peppers for which I have seeds. I generally grow cheerful annuals of some sort right along there, but I certainly haven't gotten any yet. I wonder if I'll miss the color. I think I might. And do I love peppers? I mean, they're fine. Uh, So many decisions to make in gardening. Oh, speaking of color, you may be amazed to know that in a fit of trying to push my comfort zone, I chose crazy colors for my front wall this year. There's a low wall in front of our house, and some clever gardener years ago carved out holes on the top just big enough to pop some pansies or violas over the winter, and I generally grow a heat-tolerant annual in the summer, like Lantana or Madagascar Vinca or something like that. Well, I was at a nursery, and these Lantanas spoke to me with words like this, You never have colors like us in your garden, and we are extremely bright and showy, so please buy us. And so I did. We're talking about a bicolor lantana, and the softer of the two colors is bright orange. The other one is this deep pinky orange that actually could be classified as red. I mean, what was I thinking? I was thinking, dear listener, that I should stop being so close-minded and branch out into crazy colors. But those poor plants have been sitting, waiting to be planted for about three and a half weeks now, and every time I walk by them, I feel anxious and just a little bit nauseated. I can't pull the trigger. Abby's going to take them away, and they're going to end up in the garden of some person who is far more daring than I, and I'll end up with white or purple or soft pink or something as per usual. Such a shameful story. I have no guts. It's haircut time for all the fluffy boxwoods. And this is the one time of year where I shear it with my lightweight and super sharp Okatsune shears, but I probably won't take the time at the same time to reach in and thin it. That thinning thing certainly needs to be done, but I can do that one almost any time of year, and I'm a little pressed just now for time. My little tiny box garden is so low, you know, and so that's a bend over for a long time issue. I try to do it in like 10 or 15 minute stages, engaging the old core as best I can, And when my back says cease, I toddle off and do something else for a while before I resume. And lastly, I'm really, really enjoying my various alliums. It's so easy to see where they're doing well because I see multiplication in some happy spots, but in others I see depletion. Such as gardening, it's probably the soil is just too much clay and not well draining in those spots. I love the way the tall allium poke out among the lower growing perennials and even my Annabelle foliage out in front. And those low Schubertii ones that are like low, but really big, like, I don't know, 10 inches across, and they look like fireworks. They're very cool. Oh, it's a good time to say, Color Blends is a third-generation bulb company offering top-size flower bulbs directly to ambitious residential gardeners and landscape professionals at wholesale prices. I am ambitious, and I buy all my bulbs from Color Blends every year. This was fun. If you have any questions or comments or corrections, please reach out to me at Instagram. I am Leslie Harris LH, or go to my website, that's lhgardens.com. When you go there, please have a look at the blog that accompanies this podcast and add your comments. Oh, um, if you've commented on my blog, I had crickets for so long that I never looked to see if anybody had commented, and now some people are commenting. So I'm starting to look, and please excuse my lack of response. I will happily look more regularly, and thank you for contributing. Also consider buying me a cup of coffee to help support the podcast and John now that you know him. I've been enjoying lots of lovely reviews of Into the Garden with Leslie, and here's one I want to share from Brad of Garden Evolution, who's actually going to be on the show this summer. You should follow him on Instagram if you don't. He's funny and very inspiring. It's at Garden Evolution. He wrote, I've been listening to Leslie since the beginning, and I have to say it's one of my favorite podcasts to listen to, and I look forward to it each week relatable content for the everyday gardener, and love learning more with the plant of the week. 
must listen. Thank you, Brad. Very kind. I really appreciate that. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Color Blends Bulbs. I named this show into the Garden with Leslie because you know why I'm really into my garden and I want to get you into yours. And I'll see you next week. But here's the secret. You're going to hear me next week, but I will have been at Great Dixter all week, not doing a podcast, just soaking up gardening goodness in the present. I can't wait to tell you all about it.